Dangabashi Please listen with the motivation of Bodhicitta, thinking of all sentient beings who have been our parents. And so I'm um, thinking now I'm listening to these teachings, I'm studying these texts in order to be able to um, lead all of them to a state of complete enlightenment, to help all of them. And uh, so with this kind of uh, motivation, then please listen to the to the teaching that is given so on this uh, Mahayana Uttara Tantra Shastra, and we are in the uh, uh, text explained in four sections, and we are in the third point, which is the uh, explanation of the uh, text itself and so in that there are two sections is first uh, three sections is presentation of the the uh, general presentation of the text the body of the scripture then presentation of each point individually the uh, the leans and then the conclusion so we're in the uh, second section presentation of each of the point individually in that there are two sections first presentation of the three jewels which are the result to be attained and then the four remaining sections which are the way to attain those uh, three jewels. So we're in the second part, the four remaining sections. There's three uh, parts to the um, to this section. There's first uh, presentation of points common to all four, then there's presentation of each individually, and then the presentation of the benefits. So we're in the presentation of each individually, and in that we reach the, uh, the fourth uh, point, which is the activity, which is what brings about realization. Explanation of activities are given in two parts. There's first explaining that it is spontaneous and uninterrupted and then there's the second confirming that through analogies so we're in the second section gaining confidence or certainty by means of analogies presented in four parts first is a, a synopsis of the different analogies then explanation of each combined with its meaning then the summary of the meaning while expressing the need and then further summary and particular explanations so we're in a second of those uh, four sections which is the uh, explanation of each analogy together with a meaning and so there are nine analogies, and in the presentation we reach uh, to the, uh, uh, the fifth, which is um, how he uh, 
radiates primordial wisdom, the Sun analogy. So we've covered up to uh, up to that point, and so now we come to the sixth, which is the secret of his mind, that is the precious jewel analogy. Then the Batugi song on the Rui Pete Mandela, no, this is subject number one. Je deux jobe tsumbar temba da nebara kade tsumbar temba sene Those uh, can accomplish the uh, the jewel can accomplish that the uh, um, 
the enlightened mind can accomplish it, but this is without thought. And the second section is how without effort they always remain uh, present. So first, how without thought he accomplishes everything desired. Um, so first presenting the, uh, the analogy. The analogy is that of a precious wish-fulfilling jewel, which despite not having the thought, I will bring about the benefit of these people simultaneously to those who are nearby and within the reach of its activity, in response to prayers, perfectly grants all the individual wishes, whether it be for grains, medicine, food, clothing, or whatever. So that is the um, the example, the analogy of uh, so the uh, there's this uh, precious um, wish fulfilling jewel, and so it has the capacity to uh, uh, to give to provide uh, people with whatever they need. So uh, being you know like uh, if they want money, if they want uh, gold, if they want uh, wealth can provide that, can provide also whatever they need in terms of uh, food or um, clothing and uh, and so on. So anything that this uh, precious uh, wish fulfilling jewel has the capacity to grant that to uh, to beings, but it doesn't have any thought of doing so. It doesn't think, you know, I will bring about the benefit of, uh, of people, just jewels, just have this capacity naturally to uh, um, to bring about, you know, wealth and to... Um, and so enable people to have access to whatever they want, to uh, uh, grains, food, um, clothing, uh, money, and so on. And so this is, uh, and so this is without any kind of prior thinking on the part of the jewel. And so it says simultaneously to those who are nearby and within the reach of its activity in response to prayers, then it perfectly grants all their individual wishes. So that is for those who have the uh, uh, the good fortune. And <clears throat> so that is in this um, magical uh, jewel. This um, then it is when you make prayer to the to the jewel, then just naturally so uh, bring or manifest whatever people request. And so those people who have the uh, the good fortune, then when praying to the wish fulfilling jewel, then just um, get whatever they want from the jewel. And simultaneously to all the people around in in reach of the of the jewel when they pray to it if they have the good fortune then they can get whatever they want so it is whether it is grains whether it is medicine whether it is food or clothing or uh, whatever so that is the example ジェニトーデセンジンギデバセネレセンジンギデビナンネソトルキョバソンダウチデニガソレタソソギロナンサンビキチュディマララディリキンソムソサンバタデバナンギデセンジンラナソソギワンボダンムバダデダンサンバ
So <clears throat> what this analogy illustrates is that in the same way, through recourse to the precious wish fulfilling jewel that is the Buddha, those with different ways of thinking, such as uh, those with the different uh, gotras, the gotras of the three types, will hear many different teachings adapted to their individual aspirations, such as those of the three vehicles, without the Buddha having any thought of expounding those teachings. So, um, in the same way also, so the Buddha here is compared to the wish-fulfilling jewel, and so it has the, uh, uh, the capacity to uh, accomplish the, uh, the benefit, the welfare of, uh, of sentient beings. So he says, he also has the capacity to accomplish whatever the desires that is here in, the, in terms of um, Dharma teachings. And so, and in accordance with their, uh, their gotra, the nature of the, of the three types, these the Shravakas, Pratika Buddhas, or uh, Mahayana practitioners. So there's those um, three types of, uh, of beings, and so he's able to teach, to uh, give them whatever they desire in terms of, uh, uh, of teachings in accordance with their different... Um, Capacity or aspirations. Sentient beings have different, uh, uh, you know, dispositions. They have different aspirations, different uh, capacity, and so the Buddha teaches them in accordance with that. Each individually, in accordance to what they desire, to what they need, uh, in much the same way that the wishful willing jewel is able to give to the different people what uh, they want. And so, in the same way, so the Buddha also gives uh, to uh, sentient beings. Um, so it's many different teachings so adapted to their individual aspirations individual capacity, individual disposition and without the Buddha having any thought of expanding those teachings so what happens is, is that even though so the Buddha is teaching to um, those beings in um, is giving all these different types of teachings expressing um, himself and giving all these different types of teachings to sentient beings this is not uh, done after the Buddha has thought, or oh, I need to teach this to that person, that to that other, and uh, this is not preceded by, by thought, so it is uh, without any uh, kind of a conceptual kind of effort that would uh, uh, be the, the, the cause for those teaching to uh, come about and for peop people to receive teaching. So even though so people receive the teachings they need to receive from the Buddha, the Buddha do not think, you know, individually in each case, you know, I'm going to teach this to that per person in this way and so on. Shimbandala, Sanji, 
So next, how without effort they always remain present. So just as a precious jewel, without having any thought, grants to others whatever material wealth they wish for, without making any effort. So likewise, the Munis, the Buddhas, without making any effort, will remain always for as long as samsara exists to act for others in whatever way is appropriate, such as teaching the Dharma. So, <coughs> as was said, so the. Uh, um, a jewel, a precious jewel, so has the ability to uh, accomplish the welfare of uh, sentient beings, meaning to give them whatever they desire, without having any any thought, any. Um, and so it grants this to um, to others. It grants them whatever material wealth uh, they wish for, without um, any effort. And so likewise, also the the Buddhas um, are able to teach all sentient beings in accordance to their need without making any effort, without any thoughts, without any effort. And so that is why they will remain always for as long as samsara exists um, to act for others in whatever way is appropriate. Because um, since it is um, effortless, natural, then um, they will always be there to um, act for sentient beings in whatever way is appropriate, particularly in teaching the Dharma. And so uh, here when we say, you know, it is without uh, thoughts, so is without concepts. That means doesn't mean that the Buddha does, uh, don't know what what's happening. They are aware in their wisdom of uh, the uh, the different uh, types of sentient beings. And um, so without thoughts is not in the way that we understand it in our case. You know when we don't we don't have thoughts. That means we don't we don't you know understand or know anything. So it's not like that. The Buddha have uh, this wisdom which is beyond you know concepts and have this uh, ability so to um, to know. Without uh, without concepts and to uh, um, act effortlessly, so this is um, what we need to understand and remember. That is, um, in among the ten uh, strength, there is the strength of no, uh, knowing the aspirations of sentient beings, and so this. Um, so that is uh, the the Buddhas are able to um, they they know uh, in their omniscient wisdom the. <coughs> um, the ability, the aspirations, the faculty, the dispositions of sentient beings, and so therefore are able to teach uh, in accordance with that. And so, um, again, non-conceptual or without thought doesn't mean that they don't know what's happening. They, they're very much aware of the uh, uh, each sentient beings and their needs and so on, and are able to teach in accordance with that. <coughs> Gang 
ini jamsudnya tasyiwan kasoyo bahsegi orang jamsudnya sajembuhona nebi cerisan eh tanurun buat cengen di ni sindu ni nyebar kawai ni sana Rubuti so <clears throat> the second aspect in the analogy or um, second uh, similarity you want is the uh, similarity in being difficult to find so even though the desire precious jewels and seek them for beings here in Jambudvipa, those excellent jewels which will provide all their wants and needs because they are submerged in uh, great oceans and lie under the great earth are very difficult to find. So too for beings of extremely bad fortune to see the sugata in their defiled minds seized by negative emotions should be understood as being similarly difficult. So example in analogy is the, uh, is the jewel and jewels are not uh, particularly easy to come by and usually they're kind of uh, um, lying at the bottom of a deep lake or oceans or under the earth and then you have to um, make a, a lot of efforts in order to, to get them so even though um, human beings tend to really want to own uh, jewels and to own those and to have uh, to get their uh, hands on, um, on this kind of uh, uh, things however uh, it is incredibly diffic- uh, difficult to, to get and they have to go through a lot of uh, hardship, a lot of effort, produce a lot of effort in order to um, to get them and even then, even when they produce all this effort, there's no saying that they will uh, be able to actually get them. And so it is the same also with the uh, with the Buddhas. And so that is when we don't have the, like the, uh, it's extremely bad fortune that those who don't have like the uh, the right karma, then they won't be able to see the Buddha in, the, in their defied minds that is a mind that is under the power of uh, the destructive emotions, the mental affliction. And so it should be uh, understood as being similarly difficult. I mean, it is as difficult to, to see the Buddha as to get those precious jewels. Then Namto 
Next, the uh, analogy, the uh, analogy of the uh, echo, as an example for the supreme secret of speech. So there's two parts. First, the presenting the example mm -hmm. itself, and then the meaning, the analogy. The analogy is that the sound of an echo, such as uh, from a rock, is something that arises merely due to the causal conditions of another's ears. Cognition in accordance with its its own utterance of itself. The rock or whatever does not have the thought, I will utter this. It is produced without the contrivance of effort of being, or effort of being uttered with a tongue, palate, and so forth. Uh, meet the sound is neither outside nor inside the rock. So. Um, so the next analogy is the uh, analogy of uh, the echo. That is, when the sound uh, reverberates mm -hmm. on the, uh, like for example, on a, a mountain, or um, and so here, that when the sound is uh, produced, when someone you know is producing a sound, and the, the sound comes back, and they are uh, aware of that of that sound, but the uh, um, it's just a. It's not that the, like the sound has been produced um, by the by the rock or something. It's just reverberating, and so the person is able to um, to hear that. So that is when, um, and so it says on the. Um, mm, yes. Okay. Um, so. Shenzhen, 
So <clears throat> the um, so the uh, e- echo arises so only because of the mind of the uh, of an, uh, another um, hearer. Uh, so that is mm, what it means is that the. Sugi kona yon that is ranaso sugi. Sheba de darna shabosoro jira de onde de. So basically the uh, the meaning here is that the uh, the sound is an echo rises uh, comes about based on the uh, this condition, the main condition for it to come about is the uh, this uh, consciousness of the um, hearer. So the hearer can be the person who said, you know, who, uh, when we say way, for example, and then we hear way, you know, when there was the the rock in the mountains. Imagine you are in the in the mountains, and so or someone else can hear that as well. So it's just, but it comes about because of the uh, this consciousness that hears it that take the uh, the consciousness taking the appearance of the sound. And so manifesting this, so it's not an actual sound. So that's the that's the point here. That actually is just the consciousness that takes the shape of that uh, of that uh, sound, or takes the appearance of the of the sound. And so there's the uh, um, this awareness of the sound in this way. So that's uh, the way that uh, that's the m- main condition. That's why the uh, echo arises, so that you have someone who uh, who hears that. There's this um, consciousness. Um, that is uh, aware of it, that takes the appearance of that particular sound, like for example, way in our example. And so, the, um, but it doesn't, it is not because the, uh, and so it is It is because of that it comes about, and not because the, the mountain, for example, thought, oh, I need to say this, and start to activate its um, tongue, its uh, palate, and then produce uh, the sound through effort in this way. So it is, a production that is without thought. There's no thought from you know the mountain, and it is without effort. So the way that the uh, the echo is, uh, um, uh, or this uh, this sound is uh, um, produced by the uh, by the mountain is uh, without any uh, thought and without any effort. Mm-hmm. Number of the Jewish, Sandy Lamin, Dillon, Dillon, the Shimbin, number of the Meva. 
nella soambetul nejing sunde qui chidana nella minus on the big of yang taxa shabati in latin era than our sore tene pake jab shabata tene jala sobayesha but dig toki tene ranzugi kasori navi shabati jay number nan shabari mato trusting it and sembachi mes in dortuna pedigi ダランセバシンディアメナジェバチキンラソバタンデゾラテニケゴゥルワテンディチラミジンメバイナヤンコアムジョギコジュドアスアムジョギコジュヨバディニダソンランスギナムシンエンカソレニシディダイナンバーナ
um, the point that is made here in the example, using the example of an echo, is that it's not really like a uh, an actual sound, you know, but it's just a reflection of it. Like, you know, it's not an actual physical form, but it's just a reflection in the mirror. So in the same way, also, it's just a reflection of that sound that was produced <coughs> by someone. But it's not the sound, the sound of the echo, but the sound that was produced by someone speaking. But it's just because it, it just the, the the rock was there to reflect it, if you want, or uh, reverberate it, then the sound was um, reverberated. And so this is the kind of sound. So that is a text. Um, as was said, it, it just takes the appearance of that sound in the mind of the person, but you don't have an actual sound there. And so that illustrates also what happens with the Buddha. When you have you know, certain uh, circumstances coming together, that is, a uh, student with a certain capacity, then the sound of uh, the teachings of the Buddha uh, manifests. But it's not like it's, how do you say, existent you know, in itself. It's not uh, an actual... Uh, a sound for flage, but it's just a just a reflection, you know, just a reverberation, and so in this way, so that is uh, the uh, the, uh, the main point that is made here, and so again it says the the text continues says the Buddha does not have the thought I will teach this to that person, and there is no contrivance or effort. His speech is neither outside nor inside um, his body, so that is the uh, the the way so the the Buddha. Uh, teaches is uh, like in the case of an echo. In the case of the echo, the uh, rock didn't, you know, think, "Oh, I'm going to produce a sound. I have to to say something," and and then start to produce that sound. But it just happened that was uh, the, the rock just reverberates the sound. So it is a sound that is, or uh, just the likeness of a sound that manifests because of a, a consciousness being there and being able to to receive that, but not because you know, like being. Uh, produced um, uh, by uh, like uh, produced by effort, and so it's the same also with the teachings of the Buddha, that they are uh, the uh, uh, beings. So in accordance with their capacity, hear those teachings, receive those teachings, um, and so but not because the Buddha thought I'm going to teach this or produce particular effort to uh, produce that. But in the same way that. We hear the sound that is this likeness of the sound forming the consciousness because of the uh, condition pr uh, provided by the consciousness. So in the same way here also, because of the uh, condition provided by the sentient beings, so a certain teachings form in the mind of the sentient beings. And this teaching is not like uh, a truly existent um, uh, sound, but it's more like the, uh, a reflection, just, just appearing, but not really truly there. ね、だけばこういうさんは超南京に勉強から調べてないよ、ペナンドの名前に、ペナンドの単語。で。ランディンを中世ちゃんとか、ミチン。ああ、王姓の名前ミチンな、手前みたいなミチンです。南海戦に
ตัวเลยเสียดีน้ำก็เต็มดีเต็มสิอ่ะเมล่ะเจ้าตัวมีกี่น้ำเลยรับตัวเดี๋ยวไปยืนเดี๋ยวน้ำส่วนเลยแล
in particular being utterly beyond what is visible it has no form and cannot be shown saying here it is in whatever way the sky may be seen whether high at its center or low at its edges square spherical or some other shape blue or some other color it is not actually like that so um, in order to illustrate the um, enlightened body so there's the example the analogy of uh, the sky or um, um, space and so the uh, um, sky or space in its um, in itself doesn't have um, uh, the slightest existence so we may talk about the uh, the sky we may talk about um, space describe it in a in different way however in itself if we look at it then there's no uh, uh, characteristic that um, um, that it is uh, composed of for example, any other phenomena such as uh, fire, so fire has this capacity of being, uh, this um, quality of being hot and burning, water is uh, uh, wet and uh, moistening, so there's those uh, particular, this wetness, you know, uh, quality of water that can be, you know, pointed to and say, oh, this is, you know, uh, this is water, and so when you have a body of water, then there's particular, those particular uh, uh, qualities are there that you can recognize. But in the case of um, space, it's not like that. It's not like a, an actual uh, um, basis for the uh, for this designation of uh, space. That is an actual thing there on the basis of which we say space, even though it may appear in different ways. But it's not in itself. Uh, space itself has no uh, characteristic whatsoever. So this is the example here, the um, that is used and so of the uh, the space. So that as uh, we know, so space doesn't have even the slightest existence. And so, because it does not appear to the perceptions, it cannot be or conceived in terms of any characteristics. Or rather, there's no uh, characteristics that um, appear uh, that uh, can be um, actually uh, assessed and that can uh, be said to to exist. And so, it, there's no. Uh, it doesn't have any particular characteristics of its own, and there's no underlying basis. Basis like uh, the actual thing on the basis of which you know we we, we label we give this label space, as in the case, for example, of fire or water. And so, in particular, being utterly beyond what is visible, it has no form and cannot be shown, saying here it is. In whatever way the sky may be seen, so whether high at its center and lower at uh, the edges, and so that is, when we look at the, uh, with, uh, at the sky, so still, you know, we see that it's higher in the middle, lower on the, on the side, it has a particular shape, you know, Depending on the land, you know, sometimes it appears to be like more triangular, sometimes more like kind of a square. There's also uh, sometimes people say that, you know, sky is blue. Others uh, tend to see it as green or in other uh, circumstances and so on. So different colors, you can appear in different colors. However, the uh, uh, the, um, the sky, uh, so even though so it appears in this different way in itself, it doesn't have those characteristics. You can say, okay, the, si uh, the sky is blue, but there's no... Um, blueness about the the sky itself at the uh, in the um, at the at the level of the, so yeah the the sky itself and so this is the example here so even though so we may see so the sky is being for example uh, square and uh, and green then uh, yet you know it doesn't have those characteristics in itself or if you see it, you know as blue and uh, um, and other shapes you know so that's the yeah. 
uh, depending on the on the land and uh, th those are the conditions that you know make us see it in a particular way but actually at the level of the sky itself doesn't have those characteristics <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever heard someone saying the sky is green? Yeah.。うん。うん。うん。うん。うん。うん。うん。うん。うん。うん。うん。うん。うん。うん。うん。うん。うん。うん。うん。うん。うん。うん。うん。うん。うん。うん。うん。うん。うん。うん。うん。う
tana lobar ngeba deda laya tini ran soso na tumbege ta sajige tile de ta chechungre ma to jugyongure se deni ba ba nibi drovi gevi tawana malubani pelwada tembada sashi dege tsing metodu ya pelwada tembada yangbar chebana sanjige ta semjin tamje laya Suzuki, Kawat and Sabatini, Kesadis, Perwa, Temba, Yangbat and Chigre, Son and Jure, Dokungi, Nerson, Zedoso. Then the um, last analogy is the earth analogy of how um, the Buddha so implements his compassion. The analogy is that in dependence on an earth uh, which has no thought of producing anything and is without effort, bushes, forests, flowers and so on, everything that grows from the earth multiply if not already present, last if already present, and in both cases keep on increasing, thus providing sustenance for sentient beings. And so this is um, the analogy, the example is that of the earth. And so without the earth then there wouldn't be um, any um, trees, any flowers, any forest that would be able to grow. So it is out of the earth that all those uh, are growing. And this is uh, not done because the uh, um, the earth uh, thinks about producing a forest or bushes or whatever. It just um, happened naturally. The uh, the um, the earth providing the the, the kind of uh, the support for all this to happen and the giving the uh, uh, circumstances for um, that, all this production providing sustenance for sentient beings um, because of the earth also so the um, animals can can rest and so on so provide all those but without any intention from the side of the um, of the earth and so the meaning is that likewise independence on the earth of the perfect Buddha who is without either thought or effort all the roots of good without exceptions um, of beings those with three kinds of uh, um, Gotra, the Tirtikas, and even those who are uh, confirmed <coughs> wrongdoers will multiply, last and increase, thus uh, sustaining all beings. And so that's the meaning that uh, this analogy of the earth illustrates, is that the, uh, the Buddha so is likened to the earth, and um, so he produces all the goodness without any uh, particular thought or effort, and that is produced in accordance with the uh, uh, the sentient being. So, what makes the difference in terms of the uh, uh, the extent of the uh, of um, the good that sentient beings receive is uh, their own particular fortune, their own particular depending on the uh, the positive actions and negative actions that they have accomplished, and in uh, in uh, reliance, in accordance with that, so they uh, they experience um, goodness in in different ways, and so that goes for the uh, those people who are on the path, the different types of path. So we talk about the you know, according to their affinity or potential, or uh, gotra, but even the non-Buddhist tertikas, or even those who have uh, committed a, um, a great deal of uh, negative actions, and so uh, the uh, this goodness also manifests uh, to them uh, because of the earth of the Buddha, um, in accordance with their particular uh, karma and uh, disposition. Good, 
시ि바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바바
Jimbi, Lodin, Jansen, the big Haguam, Tubam, Shibi, Jansen, the Nudu, Sanji, Juil, Beme, Tundu, Tilekula, Tangor, the Sozo Rangi, Topi, Puvayores, Shibi, Puvayores, Tony, the Della Casso, Jupi, Puvace, Dukin, Tar, the Jubasa Mate, the Casore, Beme Tundu, Tilede, the Mundu Cheyong. Sangi Satoni, Mudichi, to be Sukit and Juber, Juros, or Dango Tobi, Gonin Jukin, Tar, Dubitsugi, Gonijan, Juber, Juros, or Deon, Musu, Tesum Chopata, Juni, Sanji, Juil, and Juban, Guba, Gubi, and Guba, and that Dinano Guba de, so Dindigi, the Tillage Sigimari, Yambi, Tesum Chopaje, Ra, Tesum Chopaje. Then, go big, go bam, ningedi, that they have a tule and moose and juba. Tule and juba de, ningues on the dundu, and then the Sanji get tule de, pen number goo connect them between the pen number good and jarchin and shippy, nega bitunzenda, tatuki chunzen, then the yeso. So there's a, no, an, a summary that um, um, is given in order to present the, uh, the purpose for giving those examples. And the first, so explaining the distinctions according to the purpose and the meaning of the analogies. And then there is a particular explanation about how the analogies illustrate their meaning. So first, distinctions according to the purpose and the meaning of the analogies. There's uh, four sections there. First, the purpose and how that purpose is fulfilled. Um, then, good on Ningu Jupitsuba. Ningu Sevandi. Gubi King Guba um so how the uh, um, the purpose and the ultimate purpose are accomplished rather than the purpose and how that purpose is fulfilled but it's more how uh, the first section is how the purpose and the ultimate purpose are fulfilled second is a summary of the analogies and their meanings and third is relating them to three points of the uh, uh, the discussion and fourth the themes of the section how the activities without effort so the uh, how the purpose and the ultimate purpose are fulfilled uh, by means of this presentation of the nine examples ordinary people are not seen spontaneously carrying out an activity 
without any effort. <coughs> Therefore, disciples might wonder how it could be that Buddhas, without any effort, could carry out such actions as benefiting others. Um, so, uh, this is <laughs> Something for the dog, but not for the. Um, so the thing is, the way we do things is uh, is always with effort. We don't know how to do things without um, any effort, without uh, concepts, and so therefore, this idea of uh, the Buddha accomplishing actions uh, without um, without effort without concepts is a little bit difficult to uh, um, to get and it's quite natural that a uh, student uh, on hearing that might conceive doubts about it and uh, because we can't see, we can't uh, really see how the Buddha can uh, accomplish things in this way without any effort, without any concept because we've never seen that. And so because it is so counterintuitive then those all those examples are given in order to help us you know, understand how the Buddha can act in this way, can act in that that um, uh, way which is without effort and without concepts and so um, so therefore a disciple might wonder it could be that the Buddhas without any effort could carry out such actions as benefiting others and in order to cut through such doubts the nine analogies of Indra's reflection and so on are used in the sutras to explain clearly how they are without effort and similarly in order to cut through doubts as to their appearing to arise and to cease when they are without arising and ceasing. And so those are the two uh, purposes, uh, the two reasons why those uh, nine examples are given in order to help uh, sentient beings or the students, you know, to uh, start to have a bit um, a better grasp of, of this, uh, trust, more trust, confidence in the fact that the Buddha actually, even though so he appears to uh, arise and cease, to uh, take birth and to die and to teach, actually is not, uh, it is just appearance, it's just appearance in this, appearing in this way, but it's not without, uh, it's not, um, the Buddha himself does not take birth and doesn't die, and in the same way also doesn't act um, out of, um, based on the thoughts that he have, um, based on efforts, it is effortless and beyond concepts, and so uh, again, uh, this is the, the reason why all those nine examples are given in order to help us have more confidence in that uh, kind of uh, um, ideas which are uh, could be uh, seen as uh, counterintuitive. And so, within the Buddha's teachings, the sutra in which this nine example is stating the Buddha's activity are thoroughly explained in detail, together with the reasons for them um, that has a name, the Sutra of the Ornament of Primordial Wisdom's Appearances, which introduced to the domain of the Buddhas, which in itself sets out both the purpose of an explanation by means of the nine analogies as well as uh, the ultimate purpose. And so this, um, so um, examples are um, found in this uh, Sutra of the Ornament of Primordial Wisdom's Appearances, which introduced domain of the Buddha. So those were taught by the, uh, by the Buddha himself in the sutras. And uh, so those um, uh, um, and so in this, in this sutra, so 
it is presented, those nine examples are presented, as well as the purpose of presenting them, as just explained, and the uh, uh, ultimate purpose. So the ultimate purpose that being that augmented by the immense light of the authentic knowledge that arises from studying that discourse and treatises, so that is by studying this uh, discourse refers to the sutras, treatises means the shastras like the Uttara Tantra Shastra in this case, so by studying this kind of uh, text then we gain um, a confidence, uh, we, we gain an understanding, certainty as to the, uh, as to the meaning that is taught. And based on this, then the wise bodhisattvas will swiftly be introduced to the domain of all the effortless spontaneous activities of the Buddhas, beginning at first by way of, an, of understanding it, but also ultimately uh, by how they accomplish it. So that shows the ultimate purpose, the ultimate purpose being the enlightenment. And so by uh, first understanding, by first studying the teachings, that we gain an understanding. On the basis of that understanding, that we'll eventually you know, realize that. So that's a, uh, a step. So in uh, these teachings, those nine examples, in um, helping us to understand how the Buddha is, how the activity of the Buddha um, how the Buddha is um, acting for the benefit of sentient beings in a way that is both um, effortless and beyond um, arising and ceasing, even though it may appear that way, then <coughs> we'll um, get closer to enlightenment and uh, help us to um, on the path to enlightenment. So ultimately we'll be able to to reach enlightenment, and so therefore the ultimate purpose also is uh, accomplished. So, in this regard, to cut through doubts is the direct purpose, while inter uh, indirectly, through that, to introduce them to the domain of the Buddha's activities is the purpose, um, the uh, ulterior um, motive. So that is, here the... Sangiki uh, um, そう <coughs> So again, um, to present those uh, two purposes, uh, or, the, or to uh, divide in, in two categories, there is the uh, direct purpose and then uh, the uh, indirect uh, uh, purpose of the, uh, those teachings. The direct purpose is to um, cut through the doubts, to eliminate doubts, uh, and particularly regarding the, uh, the enlightened activity of the Buddha, and indir indirectly, what it does is that it leads us to um, actually uh, 
to be able to eventually reach uh, the state of uh, Buddhahood that is um, such indirectly through that to introduce them to the domain of the Buddha's activities so that means that eventually we'll be able to reach the uh, based on those teachings to reach the state of enlightenment and so and then actualize those enlightened activities because there's no other way that we can enact those uh, spontaneously non-conceptual activities unless we uh, reach the state of uh, Buddhahood so that is the uh, uh, indirect or ulterior ulterior motive เออเดินตัดดูเด็กเต็มบ้างสมมุติว่าเบมีเบเชนเดินเชื่อว่าเด็กชุ่มเบเอ่อก็สังเกตชิลเล็กชุ่มเบเห็นว่าเอ่อเ
the nine are that uh, the Indra analogy explains how the Buddhas display uh, projections of their body. The analogy of the drum, how they speak, expressing instructions. The analogy of the clouds, how their minds, wisdom and love are omnipresent. The analogy of Brahma is how they manifest infinite activities of body and speech. And the, act, uh, the fifth is the example of the sun, which shows how they radiate primordial wisdom. Sixth is the analogy, analogy of the jewel, which shows how he's um, the secret of their mind. The uh, seventh, the analogy of the echo, um, shows the uh, secret of their speech. The analogy of the sky, the eighth, uh, shows the secret of their mind and the ninth the analogy of the earth shows how they have attained the very nature of compassion uh, so that is the uh, in other words the great compassion so basically those nine examples or those nine analogies to illustrate uh, those different aspects <coughs> of enlightened activity mm-hmm. Andarpeikon Sanjinla で、だからこんなんはてんばたで、たくちょかです、チャルギオレスよんで、うん、でんでれ。こいなんはてんばたす、3時期、こいなんはてんばら、うん、てんばら、そば、でんごにちょちんすれば、3時期こいなんはてん
Damja So, next section is um, um, so we've um, basically what is discussed in this section is um, what we've uh, we've made an assertion about the. uh, enlightened activity, we're saying that the enlightened activity is effortless. And so in order to be able to um, say anything like that, then you need to justify it with uh, you know, valid, uh, valid, reason, valid reasoning. And so for this reasoning to be valid, it needs to be you know, three points. And so those are the uh, three points which are presented. So the, the thesis or the damsha uh, is also what... Uh, you, uh, the characteristics that we, um, we intend to uh, prove, sometimes called the predicate, so in this case is the effortless activity. Um, then the other point is the subject, so the subject discussed is the enlightened activity, and uh, the third is uh, the reason that's given. So we need to, um, uh, this is what is going to be investigated in this section, that those three uh, points, the, um, the subject, uh, the predicate or the characteristic intent to prove, and uh, the reason that is given. So those are the three points of this uh, logical argument, uh, those three points that needs to come together in the correct manner for a logical argument to be uh, to be sound. 
And so this is uh, so here looking at that assertion that the enlightened activity is effortless. So what is the reason for that? How is, how is this established? So it says the Bhagavan Buddhas engage in benefiting others with all uh, flows of effort stilled because the ultimate mind of luminosity has become manifest and they have no thoughts. This is like the analogies of Indra's reflections appearing in the flawless barrel and the others. So, the um, um, so first is the uh, uh, the subject uh, uh, discussed, and that is the uh, enlightened activity of the Buddha. And so he says that uh, uh, this is uh, um, effortless activity. Um, So the Buddha so acts for the uh, uh, for the sake of sentient beings uh, without any uh, kind of effort. So that's the uh, uh, the subject where we where we intend uh, that that is the uh, the subject uh, about which we talk about uh, particular qualities. And so, <coughs> the. Um, Sanji So, the subject, um, basically, we have nine examples here, so we have nine subjects each time that correspond to uh, each of the nine uh, <coughs> examples. And so the first is uh, the, um, high, uh, the Buddha manifest emanations. And so this is given the subject of the, um, the Buddha's, um, the way the Buddha manifests emanations. So uh, what we want to, uh, to prove this predicate is that it is effortless. Yeah, is the, uh, with, um, mm, with all flows of effort stilled. And the reason is because the ultimate mind of luminosity is, um, that is, has become manifest and they have no thoughts. And the example that is given 
is the analogy of Indra's reflections appearing in the flawless uh, barrel. So that is, um, we have those uh, different elements. So again, there's the subject. So the subject here, in the case of the first example, the subject is the, uh, um, the manifestation of uh, the um, emanations by the Buddha. And so the subject, the given the subject of the manifestation of the uh, emanations by the Buddha, so it is uh, effortless, because the uh, ultimate mind of luminosity has become manifest and they have no thoughts. And so because they have no thoughts, then there's no effort. It is the mind of the Buddha, the enlightened mind of the Buddha is beyond any thoughts in the sense of conceptual thoughts. And so it is uh, beyond any thoughts and so being beyond any thoughts and it is also therefore beyond any, uh, any effort. There's a pervasion there, or the, it, is a, it implies that since there's no thoughts, whenever there's no thoughts, then there can't be any, any effort as well. So that is why the activity of the, uh, of the Buddha is effortless. And you have also so the example in order to illustrate that, the analogies of Indra's reflection, uh, reflection appearing in the flawless bear. And so likewise for the second um, example, so the, uh, the subject would be the, um, the, uh, that the Buddha speaks his, uh, uh, instructions perfectly um, and uh, so this perfect uh, utterance of instructions by the Buddha so that's the subject uh, it is effortless uh, so that's the same thing um, because the <laughs> ultimate mind of luminosity <laughs> has become manifest and they have no thoughts that is so what changes basically in the, in the, in the nine is the subject and the example but then the uh, what we uh, what we prove the predicate or the uh, uh, this, uh, these characteristics that we want to prove that it is with all flows of effort still, and the reason are, are the same. So that is the uh, um, so how those uh, are um, And so, each of the nine meanings, so um, as was just explained, um, displaying the appearance of the body and the other, so that's the first one, and the other eight are taken in this way as the subject with regard to which the statement effort is tilled. So that is the uh, uh, the predicate, is uh, the thesis or predicate or the characteristic we want to prove to establish. And uh, their mind being without thoughts, uh, which prove it. So the mind without thought is the uh, the third element, the reason that established that. And so, um, I don't think it's the axiom though, but... Tensic is uh, here's the which proves it is not an axiom but it's a reason. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um. Tensic. 
so um, so thus the uh, the meaning is that despite involving no effort at all they are accomplishing the benefit of disciples is natural and um so in, in, in accordance with the uh, the disciples and so there's those nine analogies that were given in order to illustrate that um, so that is um, here so in this se section we show because whenever you make an assertion that you need to be able to you know back it up with a proper reason and so this is uh, what we see here is that uh, we've made this assertion we said okay well the uh, the Buddha the uh, enlightened activity um, is um, effortless and so um, and so but what is the reason uh, reason for that and so the reason is that it is uh, basically uh, beyond thoughts it's like the enlightened mind is beyond uh, conceptual thoughts and so therefore it is uh, without um, effort so the enlightened activities um, take place without effort because of that reason and has been also illustrated by a uh, proper example in order to um, to establish that to show that and not just uh, make an assertion like that without um, any reason and so for the reason to be um, to be correct to be valid so there need to be uh, or to see how the uh, actually the, the reasoning w has been presented so we went into the detail by looking at each of the par part of the logical argument those three parts that are the uh, the subject the thesis and the reason mm -hmm. yes we'll stop here today Drink so um, today, so in the, in the teaching, so we, um, you know, we discuss a little bit the um, the need for the uh, presenting those examples. You know, the reason why those examples were given in the text and the uh, and the ultimate purpose as well. Both of them were um, were presented, and in that context, so we saw that the uh, actually the the purpose, the immediate. Uh, purpose for giving those nine examples is to remove doubts, doubts um, about what well, doubts about the fact that uh, enlightened activity is uh, effortless. You know that this spontaneously accomplished. This is what we're you know what we're taught. We're taught uh, enlightened activity is spontaneously accomplished, effortlessly spontaneously accomplished. Um, and so. Um, since it was uh, so those teachings those examples those nine examples were given in order to help us understand that more deeply and uh, basically remove our doubts concerning that because it might prove to be um, as was said earlier a counterintuitive and uh, so Kempo is asking you know um, does that work <coughs> how does that work actually are those how do you think those 
examples helped remove those doubts? What do you think? Yeah. How does it work? Do you all? Yeah. Uh, I guess because, I mean, for me, it's the, the, the analogies allows me to allow me to to relate it to something conceivable, whereas the Buddha, I mean, the activity of the Buddha is inconceivable, and so just by using an analogy, it makes it a little bit more uh, tangible or conceivable. But for that, on that point, I have a problem with the jewel analogy. some uh, from the ju- precious jewel. The nuptial dishira shape is the same as one. Call it up. Sanji Chilendi, Sangi Mishaba Yimachigi. Sangi Mishaba. Chitan? Chitan Sangi Mishabi Ketcha and Levy already. Tavita or Momadi, Bemutun do be Ketcha Kitogo to Tanatina. いいな、だんだんで、てめえ、ふんどきちゃね。なんとか彼さんがやれそうで。た、ちょっと聞けちゃうわ。ああ、なんとか、レガチマレナだ。サムロチタン、レガチマレナだ。茶わせ、よんや
tasore norbula tene gurumbuchi shuti la so wala sha wata ngene mangu yorma tendi ke chati so yin bare yorma tensangi ke eh chit noru pelbi ke chat ka insamar ra diunde da dige norbu dige pedu terwati so toba me toba me bare petul me bare teriyorwa tendi jine charsha bare yesne Um, because yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's not really um, an idea which is widespread in the West. I don't. I don't think it's uh, idea of the wishfulfilling jewel. You know, that um, if you if you just you know pray to it, then it uh, gives you uh, whatever you know you ask for. And so this is used in order to illustrate so the uh, this inconceivable activities of the Buddha, and particularly this um, effortless aspect of the uh, of the activities. So that's why we bring in those example in order to uh, help people have an idea of uh, those uh, inconceivable activities of the Buddha so you know it's inconceivable so you need to bring in some example in order to help get a bit closer to the to the meaning and particularly here so what is illustrated is this aspect of uh, effortless being able to uh, effortlessly give and so um, even though for myself I've never seen you know the uh, um, wishful feeling jewel, but this is something that you find, you know, uh, uh, like it's in the literature, you know, it's everywhere in the in the text, you know, in the, all those texts we study, you talk about the uh, the wishful feeling uh, jewel, the wish granting jewel, and so um, so may- maybe we we've never seen it, but um, the, the, as the story goes, that you know, it is a, a particular kind of jewel that um, uh, that when you pray uh, to it, then you know, it accomplishes whatever. Uh, you ask for and um, so but we tend to the, the way our minds work is like if we've never seen it then it sh- you know it doesn't exist like horns on the head of a rabbit so this is impossible because we've never seen it so this is a little bit the uh, the reasoning behind it but this is not uh, like the uh, the most uh, kind of solid kind of uh, uh, reasoning for things for one thing the other is that you find that um, mentioned everywhere, so in all this literature, and for example, you find even, you know, like in the Gurumbachi, you know, at the time of Gurumbachi, King Hindabadi, so erected the throne and everything, you know, thanks to his uh, wish-fulfilling jewel. And the but the point again is here, it's just to, uh, it's using this as a way to help us, you know, have a bit more grasp about uh, that aspect of the activity of the Buddha, an activity which is so effortless. So this is, um, so we're not here talking about, I don't think, the uh, ordinary kind of jewels, you know, like uh, precious stones, semi-precious stones or whatever, you know, like uh, um, uh, lapis lazuli or whatever, you know. But it's like uh, this, this very special jewel that when you, when you pray to it, then, you know, it just manifests uh, whatever you prayed for. It just, uh, just manifests that without the jewel itself kind of, you know, thinking. <laughs>
the way you know it is explained that this wishful thinking jewel uh, works or is, you know, is that when you pray to it, it just manifests, you know, whatever you ask for without any intention on the side of the of the jewel. It's just you know the kind of this immediate. You think of something, you pray for it, and you know it appears thanks to the uh, the magic of the of the jewel. So that's the way it is explained in the, in the in those texts, and so and this is what we need to 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 get from this, you know, that aspect as a way to help us understand. Uh, our discussion here uh, more than try to establish whether it is you know really the case or not. But then we can think also you know that uh, I mean things appear the way the world manifests is because of our karma, right? And so where it can very well be that we don't have you know as much uh, positive karma as people in the uh, uh, before you know in the past. And so this kind of jewel could manifest the perception, but we don't have that merit. So it doesn't manifest. Also, this is not something uh, that we kind of completely rule out as well. So. Uh, but in any case, you know, just try to see the uh, the point. The point is this aspect, the way it, you know it works, which is has as it is explained in those texts, and that you know to see how that relates, how that helps us to understand this. Then so, um, as was um, you know said earlier, when we talk about you know examples, you know, and particularly here, but in general, you know, in terms of examples, we the way we we, we need to relate to uh, those examples is that we need to see how is this example explained in the text, you know, and how do they relate that to the purpose, you know, to the uh, the kind of the meaning, you know. So what is it that, um, what is the aspect of the example that is used in the text to illustrate a particular meaning? And then see, does that work? Does this aspect of the example that we use, this um, uh, kind of analogy, does that, does that help us? Does that really illustrate faithfully the, this particular aspect of, you know, the, the meaning or the object that we're discussing? And so to see this connection between those two. And the question is not to know whether those examples are, you know, really true, do they really exist, is that really the way it is? This is not the question, it's just take the example as presented in the text and the, uh, the meaning as ex explained in the text and see whether there's, you know, connection between the two. Does that work, you know? And so that was the question I was actually asking was on this, you know, is there, you know, this connection between <laughs> Mm. And so, from that point of view, does that uh, accomplish the need uh, that is to remove uh, the doubts that was uh, mentioned here? Are those examples um, accomplishing their, their, their purpose? I'm not sure. Yeah, it does. Then, Sanji gave a story. We know it. Jajingi, better charge in the law. We now want Jajingi Pejan. 
So for example, the um, if we go back to the uh, the first example, the example of um, that illustrate how the uh, so the Buddha um, manifests those emanations, you know, how he emanates, um, and so and that was the example of uh, Indra, the reflection of Indra on this uh, ground of uh, barrel. And so, um, so the uh, the purpose of this, you know, the kind of function he was supposed to serve that example was to help us remove doubts regarding uh, this particular way of uh, producing emanations of the Buddha that is effortless without birth and uh, death. Yeah. Without being born, without dying, without the Buddha being born, without Buddha dying, yet at the same time there are all those manifestations appearing to the perception of sentient beings appearing to the eyes. Does that does that example help to uh, clarify things and uh, to 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 uh, accept that um, or make it more acceptable? Removing doubts concerning mm-hmm. this or not? Um, well, what you just said, yes, that's true. But another doubt. What's your other doubt that you mentioned? I was not clear what the doubt was. Of, of the idea that I myself am capable of being Buddha. What's the doubt? Can you just that that I myself. Am you doubt that you can be Buddha. That's the doubt, and I'm not sure these analogies necessarily address that doubt, but it certainly does address mm. uh, the doubt of the Buddha activity. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
So well, that might be the the reason. The, the reason might be that uh, doesn't you know dispel all doubts because here uh, we're talking about the enlightened activity, and so the example are given to you know to dispel doubts regarding enlightened activity, which as you say they do. But then you know regarding other topics like uh, especially like if you have the Buddha nature and all this, you know that's just chapter on the on the Buddha nature and this is where it is addressed. So you need to always be clear, you know, about the subject that is discussed. And again, you know, as I was saying, 
you know, how does those doubts help you to eliminate, uh, uh, no, all those, those examples help you to eliminate the doubts regarding the, uh, you know, the activity, the enlightened activity, how it is spontaneously effortless. It is, of course, you know, those nine examples won't help you uh, eliminate all the, uh, the doubts you ever had, you know. This is not the purpose as well. It's always given in a particular context, and so we need to always be clear about what we're discussing, and here we're discussing enlightened activity. And so for the uh, for the like doubts regarding like the fact we have the Buddha nature and capacity to to reach enlightenment, that's in the chapter on the, on the element, you know. This is addressed there, um, and so um, and um, just to to, um, to give also the, so to talk about the example. So you need to keep in mind that uh, actually you know the dog's tooth that happened in Tibet, you know, and uh, at a, and. But the uh, Uttara Tantra Shastra was composed in India a long time ago, actually before that dog's tooth story happened in Tibet. So Asanga couldn't know about it, so that's why he couldn't write about it. <laughs> 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 yeah.